Hello and welcome to another week on Netflix. Bernie Kinkle, the only person you're gonna scare is yourself! Charlie! What are you doing? Keep the noise down. What are you doing here? Maze! Just in time. There's a whole load of police here. Send the word you're gonna hurt yourself. Or someone else. (laughs) How many children are you friends with? I'm Minnie Wright, Senior Entertainment Reporter for Express.co.uk, and I'm joined by Senior TV Reporter Neela Debnath. Hi, Neela. Hello. Um, As usual, we'll be guiding you through the hottest new releases on Netflix, but this week we'll be talking all things The Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, bringing you our thoughts on the prequel series to Jim Henson's cult classic fantasy movie The Dark Crystal. And later, we'll be doing a roundup of what's new on Netflix in September. Released in 1982, the Dark Crystal movie, an animated puppet film from the creator of the Muppets, followed the adventures of Jen, a Gelfling, as he strove to bring peace to the world of Thra, which had been under the rule of the evil Skeksis for many years. To do this, Jen had to unite the wise and gentle race of the mystics and the cruel Skeksi lords by healing the all-powerful crystal, which had gone dark due to the Skeksis' abuse and misuse of its power. But back in 2019, and Netflix, along with the Jim Henson Company, have made a 10-part prequel series which delves into the complex history and rich lore of the original story. Neela, tell us about The Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and what your thoughts were on the prequel series. So I watched The Dark Crystal, the film, recently. Um, I hadn't seen it before, I'll admit that now, but um, I'd watched um, Labyrinth and I really enjoyed it. Um, And I really, really enjoyed The Dark Crystal. I thought it was just just this epic storyline and I loved kind of kind of like the visceral gore it was really grim with the Skeksis but you love it at the same time um I wasn't sure what to think about the kind of tv show because I wasn't sure would it work that kind of thing but I really really loved it um and it kind of harks back to those kind of classic 80s films like the Goonies and Willow and it just has all these kind of like endless possibilities and open worlds and stuff so I really enjoyed that and it's also kind of made me realise, like, I never really got the whole D&D on um, Stranger Things, but I finally kind of seem to understand that why they played it, because it's this kind of rich adventure and stuff. Mm. So, yeah, so I've really liked it's it. It's a proper kind of fantasy adventure mm. flick, isn't it? But like you said, it's got like a real darkness to it as well. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, when they brought out the movie in 82, that was the the dark, they called it a family film, but that was the darkest that those guys had ever made <laughs> one of their kind of, puppet family adventure movies mm. um and obviously they they went on to do to do labyrinth as well um which kind of followed the same dark edge to the <laughs> what did you think because you watched it as a kid didn't yeah, you? yeah so i watched i watched the original movie like over and over again when i was really young but it's been like probably at least 15 years since i've seen mm. it so i did a kind of weird thing where i started the new series wasn't that impressed was just like why are we bothering with this and then I was like right let's go back and watch the movie again because I can't even remember it let's watch the movie so I did one episode of the new series and then went back and watched the original movie loved it still love it Mm -hmm. and then carried on with the series and it's actually helped me get a lot more into the series yeah um which is interesting to note (laughs) I think it is because watching them really close together you kind of see what they've kind of drawn on in terms of the mythology and stuff and I really like the fact that kind of it doesn't hold back and it is quite brutal. I mean, they're basically discussing genocide mm. 
And yeah, I there's think, some really big themes in mm. there. Um, there's kind of like themes of racism as well and like yeah. climate crisis in there as exactly. well. Which like that that's a lot to put you kind of jamming into what is essentially supposed to be like a kids series, but it's so not just a kids series, is yeah. it? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I kind of saw like loads of parallels to Game of Thrones as well. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that too, but just things like obviously because it's fantasy, so it kind of falls into the same genre and you've got similar kind of tropes going on with kind of like princesses being saved or like going out and kind of like defeating monsters and stuff so you definitely get that but I really felt like the character of um, Princess Celadon she kind of felt very much like Cersei the way she kind of lusts after power and it turns her evil and stuff and I kind of got um, Princess Bray I felt a bit like Daenerys Targaryen as well yeah yeah I definitely got that vibe there's there's significant Game of Thrones vibes kind of going through it and I think that for me, like looking at it skeptically, maybe that that feels like it might be a shrewd move on the part of Netflix to be Definitely. kind of take a slice of the kind of the fantasy business that's up for grabs at the moment with the the end of Game of Thrones and the enormous popularity of it. And speaking of Game of Thrones, you also kind of there there are so many parallels with Game of Thrones, but also with other massive mm. fantasy franchises like Lord of the Rings and even Harry Definitely. Potter and this kind of thing. And that I think is evident all the way through through lots of kind of aspects of the series but especially if you look at the cast you've got Jason Isaacs from Harry Potter, Mark Hamill from Star Wars, Katrina Balfe from Outlander, like Natalie Dormer and Natalie Emmanuel from Game of Thrones. Um, they're all, it's, it's the who's who of mm. fantasy franchises <laughs> and you've got you know king of the fantasy fanboys Simon Pegg. It's they're, all these enormous people are voicing the characters in here and that really kind of draws even more links I think to just how hard Netflix are trying to really take hold and grasp onto the fantasy genre (laughs) I I think they've succeeded though because I was like I felt so kind of excited watching this because after Game of Thrones and it just being a massive disappointment it was really great to watch this it kind of felt like for me it kind of filled a bit of the void of that was left in Game of Thrones where you just felt so underwhelmed but here it was exciting there was so much adventure there was high stakes that kind of thing and I felt like Game of Thrones kind of lost that so it's nice to have something that you kind of get invested and you care about the characters yeah and there's a there's a like game of thrones there's a lot to it there's a real depth to the storyline there's kind of like Mm. this history that's created there's so much to be delved into um inevitably in probably more than one series but i'm sure we'll get on to that later um but it does i can see how it could fill that gap that maybe like the last season of game of thrones it just didn't manage to as well but it's Mm. left by game of thrones ending um, but my my slight criticism comes from: Did we did we want do we want another spin off slash prequel or sequel or live action mm. remake? All of these things at the moment there seems to be all the big releases in movies and TV seem to play off of a connection to something that already happened. When do we get something that's just completely new and fresh? And did we maybe could we maybe have? allotted this massive chunk of money that Netflix have inevitably put into Age of Resistance, could it have gone somewhere else and created something completely fresh and original? That's a big question. I mean, the problem is franchises sell. People know that there's money to be made because you've got that fan base there already. I I mean, like, Netflix does champion new stuff. Like, if its existing shows aren't working, they will cull them and they will put the money into something new. I don't know. I mean, it would have been interesting to see if they'd done something completely different, completely off the bat. But I think they've got a lot of stuff coming up, so it'll be interesting mm. to see what they do next. I know that with Dark Crystal, 
there was this whole kind of history about like, oh, it's going to be made into a TV show every couple of years or it's going to be made into a film and then it never happened and finally it did. So I think in some ways there was always an interest, like they did want to bring it back at some point. So I think Netflix kind of capitalised on that and was like, okay, right, we're going to give you 10 hours, make mm. what you want to do. <laughs> and, and to kind of like argue both sides, having just been quite critical of mm. it, it does feel like if you're going to do a Dark Crystal prequel series, this is the time to do it because it does feel so current. It feels like it does fit well into the kind of commercial landscape of Definitely. TV at the moment. And like we said about the big themes, it's it seems really topical. Although we're talking about like gelflings and mystics and all kinds of wizards and magical beings, that it's just, it does the classic thing which all really good children's stories do, which is teaches lessons, mm. brings up really proper issues, but through a kind of fantasy window I guess yeah no definitely I think this is going to become a classic and I think people will go back revisit the dark crystal and just to kind of go back to like the the levels to which there is darkness to it and how Mm. they're kind of like it's quite grown up really really, I was scared by it yeah there's there's real like even in the first couple of episodes there's moments like and and this does this is not just you know Netflix doing this straight off of the bat with the series this was in the original movie in the original movie you have one of the Skeksis is like stripped and tortured oh, and gosh, all of these things. Yeah. Like there's there's really kind of gruesome scenes and but you you do get that in the first like it it's um jumps straight in at the deep end, doesn't it, the series with that kind of element. Yeah, it does. I was surprised. I was surprised even in nineteen eighty two that they did that, but yeah, I mean it doesn't it really is in the spirit of the show and you've got all the mm. kind of grim noises and like yeah. bits and bobs that come with kind of skexies and what they are and how disgusting they are. Yeah, it's um yeah, it's not it's not really for the faint hearted and it's not the Muppets. Let's <laughs> put it that way. It's definitely nothing like yeah, the Muppets. I think people I think people should definitely give it a go because I think people always say, Oh no, it's not for me, but they said that about Game of Thrones and actually mm. As you said, the themes that kind of are embodied in it, it's a lot bigger than just puppets. Yeah, completely. And just the visuals as well, which is definitely worth mm. mentioning. Obviously, the the original movie was kind of groundbreaking with the animatronics and the puppets and everything like that. But um, the series, obviously, having come so many years on and having all these technological developments, it looks spectacular. It, it is just gorgeous to look at. <laughs> I, I didn't realise initially, I thought that it was all just CGI, but I didn't realise that actually it's puppets. Yeah, I've got some good numbers on the uh, amount of puppets and stuff, which we will get to later. Ooh, okay. The the kind of extent of Netflix's investment in this, I guess. Um, but also, we have some great exclusives as well. We caught up with Jim Henson's daughter and CEO and president of the Jim Henson company, Lisa Henson, and Hallie Stanford, the president of television at the Jim Henson Company, and discussed how the initial ideas for Age of Resistance came about and the dark tone that it brings to Netflix. The Dark Crystal franchise definitely captured people's hearts back in the 80s and in the years since, but the new show's elaborate lore wasn't originally planned in Jim Henson's classic. Instead, it was gathered from details throughout the film, as revealed by Jim's daughter, Lisa. Well, the prequel is a world that's very rich and, and, and vast. It felt like a bigger world. And our jumping off point for the creation of the prequel world is the scene in the original Dark Crystal film where Jen and Kira are in the forest and they discover these ruins and they realize they know nothing about where they came from and they realize this was their civilization. So Kira sits on the throne and it just fits her perfectly. There are hieroglyphics on the wall of destiny. And 
we kind of use that and as our jumping off point for the world creation and the world building for the prequel world, which has a lot of very original new material brought to it, but we kind of had to we had to base it on something, and so we based it on that as well as Brian Froud's uh, big coffee table book, The World of the Dark Crystal, which had a lot of amazing information that didn't make its way into the film. The Dark Crystal is also renowned for introducing a dark undertone to the world of children's films, and the new Netflix show certainly doesn't bug that trend. As things get gruesome in the first few episodes, as we mentioned, executive producer for the show and Jim Henson Company TV president Hallie Stanford believes it's needed in TV today. There are some moments that do we, do I mean, we I push the I line? Um, I was just recalling when you were saying that, yes, when I was a child, I watched Faces Melt on uh, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Star. Yes, there was yeah. that moment. So I do think that we do have those moments, but I think that um, kids and their families will understand that perhaps there are, there are trying times. Uh, in characters' lives, there's darkness. So maybe we, we offer a little roadmap. So now we're going to get to the delve a little bit deeper into the lore and mythology, um, which we did kind of mention kind of has parallels with Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. There is a lot of depth to it. Neela, I know you've got some thoughts on kind of the level to which there is a complexity to the story and the mythology behind Dark Crystal. I guess as we were saying that kind of it's been built on this kind of mythology with kind of like all these characters and stuff before we had maybe just two girlflings but now we're seeing the whole kind of seven tribes that we've never had before and I love the fact that they're all brought in and you kind of see all the different characters and yeah I think it's been good to kind of see a bit more and also with the mystics we didn't see that much in the film like it was all inferred but you get so much more from the TV show, you kind of see a couple living side by side. And you find out a bit more about why the Skeksis and the Mystics kind of don't live together. So, mm. yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, at yeah. the end of the movie, which we believe is kind of maybe 200 years or so mm. after where the series picks up, um, the um, Jen and Kyra manage to heal the dark, heal the crystal so that it becomes the crystal of truth again mm. and these Skeksis and the Mystics kind of become one being again and it turns out that they had actually split um, That was so interesting It's, it's a great ending because yeah. it's like uniting these two completely opposite forces and um, species um, evil and kind of good and the wisdom and the, the bad mm. um, So it's really, and the movie has so many hints at a really rich world in the same way that I think Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Game of Thrones do. They kind of like yeah. nod to the idea there might be books and books written about the history of this world, the, or like family history, ancestral history, all of this kind of thing. Mm. And to do the series actually seems like a really good idea because you get to actually, well, the, the creators got to delve into it and we get to reap the benefits of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great seeing like all this kind of backstory and like kind of stone in the wood because again in the film it's just like something bad happened here yeah and then and you're like what what, <laughs> what happened <laughs> and then yeah finally you kind of get all this stuff and it's it's nice um I want to see kind of how if they're gonna if they continue with the kind of seasons and stuff where it's gonna go in that kind of way and the, I guess this is the kind of more spoiler alert part mm. of the podcast let's talk about the possibility of a season two and a little bit about the way because obviously we've gone prequel series we know where the film picks up mm. and the series doesn't end where the film picks up so inevitably 
surely there's got to be a season two if Netflix's numbers are good enough, which it looks like they're going to be. <laughs> I think so. I think there's definitely going to be another series. It's got an 87% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's all, <laughs> that's always a pretty good sign if something's coming back. But um, I was having a look around and apparently um, some of the makers, so the co-executive producer, Javier Grillo Marcus, I think, um, he said something like, if we're lucky enough to get more seasons, then the story will go on and we know where it's going. And it's maybe more hopeful than you might think. That's interesting because to me that's interesting. How can it be hopeful when the film picks up in such a dark Mm. space? But um, maybe he means hopeful in terms of (laughs) hopeful for Netflix and hopeful for four more seasons of existence. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I definitely think that they've got so much scope. I have a feeling they may actually go off-piste. It's hinted, Agra keeps saying, so she's pr- so she can see the future and stuff, but she says that even some things I don't know, there could be different outcomes. And I wonder if Netflix in a bid to keep the show going. We're going to get parallel universes here. Yes. <laughs> different def- timelines. Yes, I think so. I think it's going to be within the kind of same universe, but I think they're going to take a different route because otherwise they're going to... I can see them running out of material because getting from... Mm the tv show where it is now so if that's 200 trine they're going to cover it's going to get more and more grim if yeah it ends up at the point of genocide and then you've got the film so i think they're going to definitely take a different route and ogra's character continually saying i don't know how it's going to end i think there's a lot to be said for that and we know that viewers do not mind a parallel universe alternative timeline we know yeah. that people will buy into that we know that it's going down a treat at the moment so yeah, exactly maybe netflix is gonna Definitely jump on that bandwagon. I like that. I haven't thought of that. And that yeah. definitely gives them more scope for, let's say, you know, a Game of Thrones quantity of series. I, I think they could definitely do that. As long as they've got good stories. The thing that worries me is if it gets really samey and people kind of lose interest. I, yeah, I would personally rather that they stuck to, say, two series. Mm. If they can keep it fresh, three maybe. But I do like a two series run and bring it up to the beginning of the movie and continue to mine the the depths of I don't think the fact that we potentially know where it ends up has to put people off the twists and turns because you can write in as many twists and turns in between as you want we still kind of we don't know how the Gelfling will get wiped out if that is where it's going because that's where the movie picks up is that there's only two Gelfling left in Thra Um, yeah I think that's quite an extreme way to end it I think yeah I feel like a parallel universe would probably work better because it's a little bit less depressing than it's definitely less depressing. Maybe I'm more on board with the kind of going down the completely dark, hopeless route. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got some numbers here released by Netflix as well, which just really gives you a, a taste of the the scale of a project like this. They've said that over 170 puppets were used. Obviously, there's been a kind of... We wonder how much of this is CGI now that we're in 2019. Yeah. But they, they have got 170 puppets with 70 different species. They created 70 different species for the world of Thra that you will see, whether it's like tiny little glimpses or whether it's the girl thing and all of that. They've got um, so many. It's ridiculous, isn't it? 83 puppeteers and 59 voice artists to bring them all to life. And over 2,500 people worked on these 10 episodes that are streaming right now on Netflix. Wow, they've, def- they've put in so much time and effort and you can just see that. It completely reads, doesn't it? It, yeah. is, it definitely does.
Let's talk September in general on Netflix. Mm. We're now in September. There's a lot of good stuff to look forward to and probably some stuff that we don't think is quite so good. What have you got your eye on coming up, dropping on Netflix in September? Well, Elite season two. So this is the Spanish teen drama. So it came out last year. It's kind of sexy, kind of dark, kind of fun. A little bit more serious than Riverdale. (laughs) And it's going to basically pick up where it left off with this teenager getting killed and the wrong person going down, whether they can get that person off and stuff. I really like it, so I'm really enjoying that and hoping to see more of the same. So that one will be coming out on the 6th of September. Mm -hmm. And um, a little bit later in the month, what I will definitely be looking forward to getting my teeth into is The Chef Show Volume 2. We've got... Korean-American chef Roy Choi back again with John Favreau. Um, we don't, I'm not sure what guests we've got coming up this season, but Seth Rogen is in the trailer. So they've oh, wow. got Seth Rogen on board. They're going to be cooking more. It's more of that. If anyone saw the movie, which came out in 2014, which was called Chef, um, that was actually loosely based on Roy Choi's kind of rise to fame and success with the Kogi truck. He was kind of one of the pioneers of the food truck movement. Mm. Um, so this documentary series kind of has the, re- the exact same kind of warm hearty like feel of the movie which was what was so like feel good about it has exactly that but they're teaching you to cook and just having chats with like John Favreau's completely all-star cast of friends basically that Um, sounds so nice it's so you can just stick it on kind of eat or cook to it or just kind of like really like it's it's a bit like the kind of any show where you sit down you feel like you're part of the gang and just kind of like hang out with friends it's got a real like warm feeling to it um we we had like um people like um robert downey jr and tom holland and all of these kind of people guesting on um gwyneth paltrow like i said it's really kind of john favreau name dropping but bringing them into the food truck and into the kitchen to cook all through season one so it'll be more of the same no doubt okay and I've got I've got another dark one, liking my dark stuff at the moment. So Sasha Baron Cohen, better known as Borat or Ali G, is going to be doing this kind of. He's going to be playing the straight man in this, basically based on a real life Mossad agent undercover in Syria, and it will be how he kind of balances real life as like a family man with being a spy, and it's like set in the kind of seventies. So that one is literally called The Spy. Brilliant. That does sound like a good one. Yeah, that one I think is a limited series, so that will also be dropping on the 6th of September. So. Okay, and we've well. got um, Criminal as well, which is the police interrogation drama. Yes, Netflix original. I'm looking forward to um, that. Ambitious, really ambitious. Four countries, four languages, over 12 parts, um, kind of looking at the minutia and the interesting psychology of these police interrogations and maybe leaving you on tenterhooks as to whether the suspects are guilty and um it's the the relationships between them and the investigators i guess you've got people like david tennant appearing in that one which yeah. obviously is that i think the uh the big hook to get people <laughs> in in like um the uk and america but it is going to be internationally um watched why not that one i think there's a lot of line of duty in there i wouldn't be surprised if line of duty inspired a lot of this because it is literally just 12 interrogations (laughs) but i'm i'm looking forward to it and i think it's amazing that kind of netflix is kind of doing this kind of joint thing because it's always been believed in like storytelling without borders and this is going to be such an interesting project to see how they kind of put it off yeah and and interesting to see whether it can run and run whether it's the kind of thing that you do just want to watch like one episode or whether you just want to watch one of the countries that it's set in one of the three yeah. parts sets or whether you want to watch all of them and then 
season two when they do the same thing again will they do the same thing again I don't exactly know. <laughs> this is a massive television experiment yeah and I'm really looking forward to it because some of the faces I kind of recognized because TV's becoming more international I feel like oh I recognize you I don't know which where I've seen you but I think you might be from like that show Spiral or something that's like a French one that kind of thing it'll be one way you're on IMDb trying to catch everything and IMDb everything all the time through it exactly. <laughs> um, and also we've got dropping on the 27th we've got The Politician which is um, from Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk so it's going to have all the campery and drama of American Horror Story and Glee obviously um, <laughs> it the trailer's a roller coaster. Um, it'll be a taste thing very subjective I imagine but if you like Ryan Murphy's kind of previous ridiculously over the top creations it's probably one of those it looks like it could it could be a good one it's got a very starry cast yeah Gwyneth Paltrow leading kind of thing yeah there's 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 some big names in that one as well um yeah so that's have we got anything else kind of on the list for September that we're really looking forward to I think those are the big ones, to be honest with you. So, yeah, we've got quite a lot going on. So, yeah. Yeah, a busy month. So, yeah, go forth and conquer Netflix this September. Hopefully our guide can help you select the best binge-worthy shows for you. And ne- next week, Netflix will be looking at Top Boy Season 3, which will drop on Netflix on the 13th after Drake, yes, Drake, decided to fund the revival of the gritty British crime drama. Plus, as usual, we'll have all the latest Netflix gossip, theories and news. Thank you to Neela. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, comment and tell your friends about us. Join in the debate on Twitter at NetflixPod, where we'll be teasing details of our next episode. Thanks, guys.